This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Sure feels like it's just another working day, though, doesn't it? Yes, it's uh, going to be one of those uh, days that will just extend into, well, another week and a week following that. Let's hunker down. That's the operative phrase. We heard that because... If we don't, there are consequences to that uh, in very stark terms. That was articulated by the health people, including Dr. Peter Donnelly, the president and CEO of Public Health here in Ontario, and then the premier followed that up. He forewarned us yesterday. He said, uh, this is going to be a wake-up call, and it was. And to that end, you know, we now have our marching orders. Basically, don't march. Stay where you are. Stay put. And uh, we'll try to, as much as we can, diminish the impact of the virus because... Well, it was rather frightening. In case you missed it earlier today, they were saying if it's uh, steady as she goes, even that is a harrowing prospect. Uh, there'd be about 1,600 deaths in April alone in Ontario. But strong, strong action would see that mitigated down to 250. Still personal stories behind every one of those numbers. But if no action had been taken, we weren't doing what we're doing at present, most of us anyway. They anticipated there'd be uh, something as high as 300,000 deaths. So... Uh, We're not on that trajectory, hopefully, but it's also important not to stress the health system. So uh, as we talked last hour with the CEO of the Ontario Nurses Association, we want to make sure that these people uh, aren't overwhelmed. So we're doing our part. That's the medical side of things. Of course, it works hand in glove with the economy, too, and the economic impact. We've been uh, paying attention to that just as much, and uh, we're going to update that situation where we stand relative to uh, what assistance is being offered to individuals and companies or businesses. Helping us in that regard, our friend John Turley-Ewart, risk management consultant specializing in capital markets with extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. John, appreciate your joining us again. How are you holding up? Uh, Not bad. How are you today? Yeah, pretty good. I mean, uh, you heard the numbers, and I mean, I guess this also plays into... uh, the economic aspect of things, I mean, strict distancing measures, we're better served uh, economically by doing that right now in the immediate, aren't we? Oh, well, absolutely. There's, um, you know, there's very an, various analysis that I've looked at uh, in terms of trying to balance what we would call the health care battle that we're, we're fighting right now. And, of course, the, the economic uh, battle that we're also in. And it's uh, often described as a hammer and a dance approach. And the hammer is to immediately, you know, bring in the physical dis- uh, distancing, to have this economic stop, uh, and hopefully bring that curve uh, uh, down as, as fast as possible. And then that's followed by the dance. And the dance is essentially uh, keeping, you know, things like physical distancing in place, perhaps wearing masks, but then letting people back into the economy and restarting the economy. And I think today we talked a lot about the hammer. And I think the next question is, uh, when can we talk about the dance? And that is when we start getting back into uh, the workforce and the economy get going again. Yeah, we've touched on that uh, in past discussions, that confidence is the key. So in part, I guess that's where we would derive the confidence that, uh, hey, we're doing the right thing. We're all in this together. And there are positive signals coming forward, which might have implications or impact on the markets too, wouldn't they? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's no question about it. The, the, the key uh, factor here is trying to understand what it's going to look like when we get out the other end of this. 
And uncertainty, of course, uh, you know, causes people to sell uh, and, and the markets to go down and people to lose confidence. Uh, and, and ultimately, it just, it just undermines, uh, you know, the whole future of, of our economy. Uh, importantly, though, uh, you know, this dance piece, you know, today we, we heard numbers of, you know, this going on for 18 or 24 months. I think, you know, by and large, we had a great communication piece around the hammer, why we need to, you know, stop now the economy, why we need the physical distancing. But what we need to think about is, you know, what, what's the time frame? And that's a conversation that I think we haven't had. 18 to 24 months uh, uh, sounds to me uh, that's just not feasible from an economic perspective. Well, yeah, when you see some of the numbers at present, like Canada's big banks fielded 213,000 requests for mortgage deferrals in uh, the last couple of weeks alone. And when you see, well, the American number is 701,000 people filed for EI, I guess, uh, in the last week. What are they up to month to month? Over the last uh, two months anyway, or there, no, two weeks, it's uh, over a million people already looking for EI. The well, jobless right. number jobless number was seven hundred one thousand. By the way, the implications of all of these numbers are what? Well, I mean, the implications are that you know we we have uh, an enormous number of folks who do not have cash in their pocket that they need to pay their rent. Now, in Canada, our uh, our unemployment rate now stands at two million, which is roughly ten percent. The total unemployment unemployment rate now in the U.S. We've got six point six five million people unemployed. So think about that. 6.65 million people unemployed in the U.S., 2.3 million in, in Canada. And this is why, from the very beginning, John, I've been saying we need to get money into people's hands. And the government is creating these, uh, you know, a program that, it, it frankly, seems to be uh, targeted. Uh, and when I say targeted, uh, they, they're setting up government applications for money that require someone in the government to check if you qualify, and then you eventually get a check in the end. To me, this is not quick enough. We need to get money in people's hands as quickly as possible. Yeah, uh, you know, we talked about it last hour, actually, uh, with Conrad Black, insofar as the American model. It's just like, give the employer a loan, and if the business is still operating and you've maintained payroll or uh, the people on the payroll, that loan is forgiven. It's exactly. better than actually just giving money piecemeal with 75% of 58000 here and you qualify if you've dropped by 30% in revenue year over year. That sounds to me like that's just too complicated. Uh, it is. And I'll give you an analogy, John. And, you know, they've said that this, this battle against COVID-19 is like a war. Well, the soldiers in this war are... Uh, the common folks on the street and, you know, businesses and so forth. But what the government has been doing is saying, okay, we want you to go into battle and we want you to pay for your, your own equipment. We want you to get a loan to buy your, your gun. Uh, we want you to finance this war on your own and we'll, you know, throw uh, some, some money at you, but you're going to have to apply for it so that we know you qualify. And see, that's the problem with this Canadian approach. John Turley is with us, again, a risk management consultant specializing in capital markets on Bay and Wall Streets. Uh, that $71 billion emergency wage subsidy, by the way, not available for about six weeks. There's another problem. We've talked about this, too, the blind spots in this whole thing called the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. There are a lot of people who are going to fall through the cracks. We talked about startups, you know, somebody who's been promised a job but hasn't yet taken the position that position's not going to be there so what do they do upon graduating how about somebody who doesn't actually own the company even the small business just rents a chair in a hair salon who's looking after them 
Well, that's it exactly. And this is why I think we need to really look at a universal program. We've got almost 30 million people in this country that pay taxes. The CRA has all their records. I'm wondering why we're not sending a check directly to those taxpayers right now, and we can tax that back at the end of this whole process. And the reason you give that money into their hands right now, if I'm a business and I know that my staff are getting, let's say, 850 bucks a week from the government, I can make a deal with them, keep them on the payroll, maybe pay them, you know, 10, 20% of their salary, and then I can pay my rent as well so that when this ends, I can bring them back and I still have a place of business to do, you know, to do business. Yeah, as long as it's a viable business. That's the one risk, uh, you know, that pouring a lot of liquidity into it, a lot of places are already underwater or were, and now uh, would they just be gaming the system? and collapse after they've used up the money they've been given? Well, I, I would say to you, John, that you know, the vast majority of, of business people in, 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 this, uh, in this country were doing very well. We had a very low uh, unemployment rate. And remember, this, this whole problem is, is a health crisis, not an economic crisis. It's a health crisis that has led to an economic crisis. We have liquidity in the system. Uh, we have an economy that uh, is definitely was strong going into this. And the question is, is how quickly can we restart it? I'm not so worried about, you know, the, the damage that would be done by the very small number of folks who might game the system. I'm worried about the vast majority of businesses and individuals who need this money so that they can restart their lives properly when this is over. Yeah, when this is over, do you think there's going to be a pivot point, like we'll need a new industrial policy coming out of this? Oh, I, I think there's no question. One of the biggest uh, victims in this whole uh, COVID-19 is going to be globalization. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why I, I, I think the Chinese uh, um, are really fearful, not just of, uh, you know, the impact it's had on their economy, but what's going to happen down the road. You know, Doug Ford uh, said today that we will never again uh, rely on uh, foreign governments for, uh, you know, our, our health care needs, like our COVID um, uh, masks that we wear now, the, the N95 masks and, and the other masks. Funny, he was echoing Nancy Pelosi, who was on TV this morning, the Speaker of the House in the U.S., who said, There's, in the future, we will not be relying on China and India uh, for our, medic our med medicines and, and other uh, supplies for our hospitals. This has to stop. And, you know, I think that's going to be one of the big changes. And Doug Ford was spot on when he talked about that today. Right. Well, what does that mean, though? Uh, if things are a little more expensive, we'd be willing to abide by that rather than going for the cheap labor component to uh, places like China or India? Yeah, what I what I think it means is uh, is that we're going to be looking at, uh, you know, the, the the North American free trade uh, zone uh, and working perhaps more closely, keeping critical strategic supplies uh, such as the healthcare supplies we need today, but also supplies such as oil. We might be building more pipelines after this, John, so that we can meet our own oil needs or we can make sure that we can export oil properly and get the revenues that we need to keep our government uh, you know, receiving the royalties that they receive to pay for social programs. I think what it's going to do is end the naivete that, you know, existed in the before COVID-19, where we all felt we're one big global community all working for each other. And, of course, that was naive. And what we really have to do is make sure that while we trade with other nations and work with other nations, that we look after our own interests as well. Well, Justin Trudeau, when asked, said uh, support for Alberta is continuing. He didn't offer specifics today, which I found curious. But uh, what do you think he ought to do for them? Because they're pretty much, uh, their economy has collapsed. Well, well, John, I, I had said when we last spoke that I thought there was a bit of a waiting game here and that he was relying on Trump 
to work with the Saudis. And I'll tell you, today in the markets, you know, we saw oil was up 13.5% today. Uh, 32% this week uh, oil went up. It's the best week in, in oil's history. And this all came down to Trump uh, speaking with uh, Putin and the Saudis, and Putin saying, you know, there is an, uh, a possibility of, of cuts in production. And we actually have uh, Western Canadian Select trading just under $12. So I, I suspect that what Trudeau has done is try to wait to see what kind of oil deal we could come out with, what impact that's going to have on our oil patch, and then figure out what kind of package is needed if we can get, uh, you know, a barrel of oil in Canada uh, back up to uh, for the Western Canadian Select to the 15 to $20 range. That's my guess. Wow. Uh, already up at uh, around 12 because it was down to, what, 350 yeah exactly so that, that's the kind of jump that, that that we have seen it was trading just under 12 dollars today western canadian select and uh so this this is a you know a big jump but again the the anticipation is that we're going to have massive cuts to production in oil that the saudis and and that the russians will agree to but we will have to as canadians agree to that as well and uh, the question is, is, you know, what will that mean to our, our whole oil industry? And, I mean, we saw today Suncor is shutting down some of their production. Athabasca is also shutting down some of theirs. Uh, you know, dividends have been cut on, on many oil companies. Uh, we've also seen a capital spending slashed, which means jobs being slashed. So, you know, when all this comes out of the wash, there's going to have to be a, a, a great big package put together by Trudeau and the finance minister. But I'm, I suspect they want to see how much they can get for a barrel of oil and then figure it out from there. All right. Uh, that's the macroeconomic uh, view of things. John Turley, you are risk management consultant specializing in capital markets. Extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. Thanks as always, John. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Talk on the other side. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 